Hey, uh, hey everyone, welcome to another uh, exciting episode of Working in Tech. Uh, today is going to be super exciting uh, because Frederick is here to tell us about how he made his transition to tech from pharmacy. Um, and I'm going to hand the mic over to him in a second. But before I do that, um, I'm just going to give a, a little bit of an intro. So he is a, a bootcamp grad. He studied pharmacy at the University of, of uh, Houston. He, I think shortly after that, he made this decision to, to, to move into tech, went to a bootcamp, uh, then moved to Silicon Valley to land his first role. I think now he's probably been in the industry for about seven years. Um, he's also interested in the African tech ecosystem. Uh, but you know, I'm going to hang in there for now and let him also kind of like give a little bit of insight into who he is and his career so far. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, you pretty much said all the all the right things. Frederick O'Han, University of Houston grad, I'm currently a senior software engineer and specifically I'm mobilizing, not mobilizing, specializing in iOS. I've been doing that for about seven years, currently located in Dallas, Texas, relocated back in 2020, you know, during the pandemic and everything. And yeah, I mean, I'm just still loving the tech industry. I don't, I can never do anything else. That's dope. So kind of like jumping straight into the deep end. Um, I think there's a question that I typically want to know. I guess a lot of people also want to know is why did you decide to pursue a career in tech? Mm -hmm. So like you mentioned earlier, my undergraduate degree was in biology with the intentions of going to pharmacy school. But it wasn't until maybe four days before graduation, I decided not to pursue pharmacy anymore because at that time I actually interned at a pharmacy in a hospital and I hated it. It was extremely boring. It was the bane of my existence. And I, at that time I had to finally conjure up the confidence to tell mommy, mommy, I know you spent thousands of dollars for me to go to this school to do pharmacy, but now I don't want to do it. And then she's like, okay. I'm like, wait, that's, that's it. Okay. That's all I, that's because I would have been changed my major from, from way back then, right? So after graduation, had to start from scratch. And since I didn't really know what to do with my degree at the time, I ended up getting a job at Papados where I served as a waiter. And yeah, I just needed to do that just to pay the bills. And it wasn't until I came across a business insider that said 43 courses to change the course of your career. So I was like, okay, cool. I don't have a career at this time. I'm just a server, you know, at Papados serving, uh, serving seafood. So I was like, sure, why not? And as I was going through the list of courses, I came across Introduction to Computer Science by Harvard CX50, uh, CS50 class. So I was like, all right, cool. I've always been a nerd. I've been loving video games. So I was like, all right, let me see what this computer science thing is about. And bro, I took the first maybe couple of classes and I absolutely fell in love with it. I felt like my mind, like, I feel like a veil just ripped from my eyes. Like, what is this industry? Like, it's finally cool seeing what's actually happening behind the computer and how to make things work. And from there, skyrocketed to my career to uh, software engineering. But I can get more into details as we go in the conversation. But that's just like the first, that's like the step one in the, in the journey. I have so many follow-ups. First of all, <laughs> first of all, how cool is your mom, right? Yeah, no, I'm uh, don't let this story get it twisted. She's, she's still a crazy nice job mom now. Like, she, she, yeah. but just, uh, she's like, okay, Rick, I mean, it's your life. You can do what you want to do. I'm like, but mom, the only reason why I even went to this school was because I had a pharmacy school. I thought I was going to do like, you know, you know, the African thing, like, get yeah. a job, 
you know, go to this school, get a good job, and then do your thing. But like I said, I just hadn't been exposed to it at the time. I feel so, like my only exposure to to code was when I didn't even know about it was like during the MySpace days when everybody were was writing HTML and CSS for their own pages. But we didn't know what we were doing. At that point, we were just making making our MySpace page cool. We didn't know that we could actually make very significant amount of money doing it. Yeah, that's that's interesting. So I, I something I really wanted to tease out there was that I think at the point that you decided that you wanted to not do pharmacy anymore, you, you didn't necessarily have it clearly figured out that you wanted to go into software. Not at all. So aside from that kind of like uh, business insider article, were there other things that you also saw that kind of like, because again, there's there's like the fact that you kind of like got drawn into it, mm. but did you see the career potential kind of like from the outside looking in? No, I didn't see. There was no, there was only one girl who, she mentioned that she was like an MIS major. So I knew she did stuff with the computers, but it didn't really click in my mind that, oh, I could actually pursue this as a career. So it wasn't until I had literally started taking those courses, then started doing a lot of Googling, listening to podcasts, YouTube videos, like, oh, like Code Academy. There's, that's like a very um, introduction to computer science, so introduction to code website podcast is a code newbie podcast where she talks about her background going into tech and there's this and a whole bunch of youtubers are just talking about their industry their their in, their interest in the industry so i had to learn from like the internet the internet was like my my second teacher and i really took advantage of that because it's free at that point so what um what were aside from like the avid cs courses what other resources did you kind of like use in your learning journey and what other users uh, and I think you're talking about like going to a boot camp. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so after my stint as a waiter at Papados, I ended up getting a job at AT&T. And during my job at AT&T, I was known as the Apple guy because when I was, I love Apple as a product. So every time a customer with Android would come in, I'd be like, nah, you need to get this iPhone because of X, Y, Z features and X, Y, Z things you can do with it. So I ended up becoming, they call it the Apple master or Apple, the Apple guru. So pretty much anytime anybody came with the problem when it comes to like Apple products, they came to me and then something clicked as I'd be helping customers with their Apple products. I'm like, I wonder if I could make an app. How would I go about doing that? Because at the time I was just writing code for the sake of writing code. But if you know anything in this industry, you need to kind of like specialize in one area. And then if you want to become a general master, then you could do that. But to get like a front end job or back end job or mobile job, you need to actually hone it in on one domain. So at that point, I Googled, okay, how do you make iOS apps? And then I learned, okay, you have to learn this Swift as a programming language. You need to download Xcode. That's IDE. So I went down this other rabbit hole where there's one other YouTuber. His name is Code with Chris. So he was talking about his journey and like kind of like introduction to the iOS to programming and all those type of things. And then it wasn't until maybe six months into the job, I was like, okay, I really want to take the leap. I can't really work full time and be learning at the time because at that point my schedule is like seven to seven so by the time i get off of work i'm like up until maybe 4 a.m just learning man like really just grinding out so i really took the chance my faith in god i was like all right you know what? i'm gonna quit go full-time attend this boot camp called the iron yard in houston texas and we did that for three months and that's what my start as far as like my most formal training when it came to uh software engineering was at the boot camp okay so um <clears throat> How did you navigate the job application process? Because I know that's something that's daunting for a lot of people. Ooh, ooh, ooh. What do you, what do you mean by navigating? 
So, like, how did I, you? I, might get, well so, just, I just me. I might as well just bang my head against the wall. That's that was the way I was <laughs> man. It was, it was rough, man. Especially being a, a junior engineer, like just trying to break into the industry. Because at that point, I was at I was living in Houston, Texas. So there were jobs there, but they were looking for senior talent. But obviously, I don't have that experience. So I was just applying for jobs all over the country, talking about Pittsburgh, New York, California, Florida, anything that had any anything that had you know. I was developing it. I was applying for it. I'm pretty sure I applied for maybe more than, no lie, more than 300 jobs. Wow. Zero response. Wow. Zero. So, yeah, I was, that was, that was very rough. But it wasn't until um, I actually started to get into the community online via Slack groups where, you know, with hanging out with other techies to where they would actually give me introductions to, oh, you're doing X, Y, Z. Let me introduce you to so-and-so so they can give you some insight. It wasn't until I actually started talking with people and getting internal referrals where I was starting to get any type of leverage. Like, okay, I might have not got the job, but I got a call with a recruiter. So no, and now I know what to say. And like, kind of like, you know, I'm still taking incremental steps towards success. And that's a very key element that you that you mm. unlock there. Cause like, it's never like zero to hundred. I don't think it works never. that way. So never. how important are those incremental steps? I feel like, you know, that saying there's no such thing as an overnight success that could, that is like, that should be tattooed on everybody's forehead. If you're trying to break into anything, because, you know, LeBron isn't as great because he just did it overnight and name any X, Y, Z person that you just hold to any high regard. You have to take those baby steps, put in the hard work that nobody sees. Nobody, everybody look at me like, oh yeah, you're a big guy. You got the house, the wife, you, you live in Silicon Valley, you did it all. But I'm like, no, nah, you didn't. You wasn't seeing when I was legit waiting tables, coming home, smelling like shrimp, and then getting right back on my computer, trying to learn how to, what is a for loop? That, like that, I was in the gutter for real. Like that's how, you know, small steps, you know, got to where we got to where I am now. So yeah, just don't, don't, you can't cheat the process. There's no such thing as cheating the process. So uh, what was your experience like during job interviews? So when you started to kind of like get in front of high managers mm -hmm. and stuff, what was that experience and how did you prepare for them? Uh, I prepared for them the best that I could. I bombed a lot. I, I, I bombed a lot of interviews, but even in my bombing, you know, fortunately enough, those companies were still kind of to give me some type of feedback. I'm talking bombing like to the point where they'd give me a problem. And I would just sit there in silence and we'd just be looking at each other like, you know, I don't know. And I'm like, hey, he's like, I can, I can already tell, like, oh man, like this guy, he's like, he has no idea. I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. But one of my, I feel like one of my very best introductions to interviewing was when I applied for Reach and it's LinkedIn's apprenticeship program that focuses on people who don't have conventional backgrounds. So, you didn't major in computer science and you just got into tech, that's the program for you. I wrote a paper, told them my story. Apparently they loved it. So I was able to fly out to Sunnyville and where I interviewed um, with maybe four engineers. They gave me a take home project was to build Hangman. So, you know, I had to build the UI, the logic, X, Y, Z. And during the interview, as they were asking me to build more features, I I stumbled because at that time I was still much, I was still pretty much a rookie, but I was trying to like still grind it out as much as I can. And I didn't get selected for the apprenticeship program, but uh, some of those engineers were able to still kind of like, hey, keep your head up. We added each other on LinkedIn. They still 
follow my career growth and they're able to give me some advice after. So if you can, uh, if you do happen to bomb interview, that's fine. It's perfectly normal. I don't think I've met an engineer that has a bomb in an interview, but I think a key thing would it to be still keeping contact with people who did interview so they can like, hey, I know I didn't get the job, but what could I do differently? Assuming that like you're not breaking the NDA laws, which I don't think you are. But yeah, just kind of like just make relationships with anybody that you see in the industry because you never know what they could do for your career later. So essentially, it's all about progression and like keeping keeping the maintaining those relationships. Absolutely. So um, what challenges did you face early in your career? Right. And how did you overcome them? And I'm talking I like, think so, so let's say after you got your first job, after you scaled that hurdle of the interview, like mm -hmm. what were those challenges? Because I don't assume it's smooth sailing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not at all. I feel like make just actually I didn't realize how long it really takes to learn a code. To maybe year and a half my job where I was like, oh, obviously I was still like my assignments done and shipping features. But, you know, I would say, honestly, the first six months, I was fortunate enough to have a team where they already knew coming in that I was extremely junior. Uh, I was contract to hire like, hey, look, we're going to this guy's extremely junior. They see my they saw my projects on GitHub. So they know that like the code quality that I'd be coming in with. They know that I need some extra help, some extra mentoring. So they decided it's like, all right, cool. I'd be able to work there in the SF office for about three months contract to hire. If I don't do well, at least that I had those three months to kind of like get me off my feet and to go somewhere else. And if I do well, if I do kind of like blow them out the water, they're like, all right, yeah, let me go ahead and and hire this guy and see that he's actually a good fit. And fortunately enough, I was a good fit. I was hired on full time and I was working there for about a script for about maybe about three years. I just realized I was muted. Yeah. So, and how, how was your growth? How was your progression in that role? Like, when did you feel like you could take on more responsibility? When did you feel like talk about like that 1.5 mm -hmm. mark when you started to feel about more? Yeah, I, I think around that 1.5 year mark where I'd already known the process of us, you know, getting features or getting like product requirements, getting more familiar with the code base. And okay, if I know that if I'm going to need some extra help, I'm gonna communicate early and communicate often because what you don't want to do is feel like, oh, I don't want them to think that I'm incompetent. So I'm just going to like stay by myself and code in a, in a silo, but you get stuck on a problem that probably takes you, I don't know, four hours, but could have took another senior engineer, maybe five minutes or an hour to fix because, you know, obviously they know the code base and they've been doing the job on it that you have. So don't try to be like Superman or Superwoman and be like, oh, I can do these things all by myself because you can't like, if your team is there to help you by all means, ask for help. So I think that's another key thing I think most people don't don't know in the industry like you should you should definitely ask for help and if you're on a really good team there should be open to helping you because if you succeed then we succeed because everybody wants to see the company go in the same direction especially if you're like invested in you know stock options RSUs I'm like hey whatever we can do to kind of get this rocket ship going and on the same path let's let's get it done type thing that, that makes sense so um what's the what do you consider the most rewarding part of a job the most rewarding part of my job well 
I would say the fact that I'm learning something every day. There's no, and technology is always changing. There's never, I, like what I knew, what I learned maybe back in 2016 is irrelevant today because the technology moves, moves like every year, especially being an iOS developer. I feel like it's even faster if you work on the web, but Iowa specifically, WWDC comes, happens once a year. Apple, hey, look at all these brand new APIs. All right, iOS 17, iOS 18. It's like, you always got to kind of keep up all these new things. Now, all these new different products, you got to kind of keep to all these different platforms that they're always trying to trying to build out. So you got to like, just really stay on your toes. And if you really want to be engaged and never want to be bored, then I can wholeheartedly say that I recommend being in the tech industry because you won't be bored and you will have to constantly be learning. That's dope. Um, so how important, you touched on something important, uh, something important in WWDC, right? Mm. Um, how important is it for you as a, as a developer, maybe a high res developer, but a developer in general to kind of like stay on top of industry? Yeah. Trends? Oh, it, it, extremely because that's, you can see where the industry is going or you can see where your domain is going. For example, with, um, Swift UI, which is a, another um, UI language that's um, that Apple's building, or that's how Apple's built. It's kind of like, all right, now they're trying to like really push UI faster UI development, so they can kind of like more make more, just make a developer's lives easier. Because one of the one of the um, complaints that iOS developers has have is that it's just so hard building UI because it's just whether it's using storyboards and you can't do that with multiple teams or if you're programming in code it's like you're writing so much boilerplate code that you know by the time you get to the business logic it's like you already spent maybe just a week just building a screen which could have been knocked out in a an hour or a couple hours using swift ui so i think they're trying to just make a developer's lives a lot easier and push towards that that's that's dope and almost like on that same tooling question, I'm going to ask like a very cliche question. So hmm. how do you see AI shaping the space that you're in right now? AI. Uh, well, I don't see it shaping. It's shaping as we speak because I use it every day. There's like an <laughs> internal tool that we use to, to um, that's pretty much backed by ChatGPT4 that we can just use for like day to day. So I'd say get on board, use it. How do I see it shaping and whether it's even making a clearer commit messages you can make your documentation your your the code your code comments more clear your pr comments clear heck if you need to write a product uh desi design requirement um thing you could use that even emails i don't really write a lot of emails but if i do i'm like okay make this sound more professional i'm trying to say wisely <laughs> you know but i'm like i don't write a lot of emails i'm like so let me just go ahead and let that gpt do it so it's like just it's just kind of like incremental it's incremental steps that makes you more productive. That it's really good that you, you give like those really uh, specific and yeah, 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 and everyday examples. Yeah. Um. So, um, what can you share like a a a, a challenging project you worked on, right? And and do not don't necessarily have to share the details, but like yeah. how. Just to kind of like demonstrate problem solving, like how you went about like fixing fixing the issue. Mm -hmm. Well, I think one one of my hardest projects was when I had to build this notebook feature for Scribd, and I had no idea how to do it. And we also were using this new um, 
API parser that we call it. Um, well, I'm not gonna say what we call it. We pretty much use this new API parser that I had no idea how to use. So I pretty much had to work hand in hand with the senior engineer. He taught me a lot, but the thing I didn't do, I didn't communicate when I needed help and I didn't communicate when things were gonna be behind timeline especially at a startup it's like oh you know time is like key they want to be the first to do things so i was like okay guys hey i we thought that we knew we're using this new tool to consume apis it's not it's not as work it's not working as well as we thought it was so it's kind of like a little shaky so we're gonna need, kinda need another couple of weeks or so i didn't do that it wasn't until we had some c-suite people like hey this thing was supposed to be finished in a couple of weeks ago what's going on and then i felt bad because i can actually see her downstairs i'm on the second floor I'm like oh i can actually hear her and then i hear my manager and her going back and forth i'm like oh my gosh and then he has to tell me like hey man what's what's going on so pretty much just while they were on your team uh if you are working with some type of new technology really make sure that thing is documented well that you really understand it and that you know somebody that understands it, so you can actually let them know what problems that you're having so they can help or you could like find help and <clears throat> stack overflow or something or now use chat gpt so chat gpt could be your new stack overflow yeah. <laughs> i'm like i feel like i sound like old man but i'm like man this new generation man they got chat gpt <laughs> all you do is bop, bop, bop. i'm like bro i haven't been on stack overflow in like since chat gpt was announced bro it makes no sense i mean man i had chat gpt back then what what I got a job in a week. <laughs> <laughs> it's so interesting, like how AI, it just, I feel like the biggest thing that I've seen it do is that it short, shortens the path to the answer or the reward, right? Like, yeah. I, I could even imagine something as simple as like fine tuning re re your resume. Sometimes, like, you know, this thing you want to see in your head, but you can't mm. really articulate it. Yeah. So now you go to monster.com and pull this little quote and put like, so just tweaking a resume, which if you're looking for a new job, you should be doing like absolutely right. Yeah. We'll it's take the great equalizer. It's the great we'll, equalizer. You can like we'll, copy and paste. Here's the job requirements. Here's my resume. Tell her my resume to match these requirements. Right, now I you have a brand new. You br got, got a brand new resume. Exactly. exactly. Before <laughs> you had to do that manually. <laughs> it's so, so interesting. So I wonder. I wonder how recruiters and hiring managers are like trying to combat that it's like did this person just use chat gpc but i'm like that's still conventional wisdom like you want to tailor your resume to the job that you're applying for so is it I mean, like i said it's a great equalizer so that's still so I, I feel like the sad part of that is that it actually makes it more challenging in the sense that again i've heard chatter about people in recruiting say stuff like they also use like ai mm. you know, like catchers yeah. To where, like, even if you just wrote it really well and it's not AI, but it senses like it's AI, yeah. you're gonna get dinged for that, right? Because, yeah. and it's interesting because I'd made a video earlier in the year talking about, like, you know, the ATS is a robot, ChatGPT is a robot, so why don't you let the robots kind of like, <laughs> <laughs> why don't you let them battle it out? Uh, yeah. But I guess it's gonna be really interesting, right? Mm -hmm. Especially with like keyboard stuffing and things like that. There you go. But to like another really interesting part. How has your income grown from before you got into tech to now? Bro, it's not, it's not even a competition. I told you I, told you, I, told you I was a server. So probably making max, I was only there for three months. 
I, I, I don't even want to say like a salary for my server because I feel like I didn't really work there long enough. But for AT&T, I definitely was around maybe 55 to 60 because you're also I was also making a commission as well. So but month to month, I think for a yearly average, I was like, you know, like making like maybe 55 to 60 working in a retail store. Now six figures. Like, <laughs> Easy. That's 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 really dope. And how what's the average across like the career? So uh for maybe iOS engineers and like uh software engineers in general, like okay. from when you're early career, like how much can you expect to make when you're kind of like mid-career and like what's like what do you see like you know those top dogs really making? Yeah, so I feel like maybe it also depends on location. So if you're in the Texas area, I'm going to speak for Texas. I've seen 105 to 130, that 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 range. Silicon Valley, you're looking at maybe, depending on, it, just, it all depends on experience as well. And also like stock ops, stock and RSUs and everything. I would say maybe 125 to 160. For entry level. <laughs> and, oh, entry level. I would say entry level. So when I was entry level, I was making 105. So I'm maybe around like 105 to 120 around that time. Maybe also, like I said, depends on the company, how, how well they're doing. If it's big tech, you no, know, Apple, Google, Facebook, it's even more. It's, I think interns are making like maybe 125, something, something crazy like that. Wow. So maybe, yeah. So, yeah. And then, like, so as you're kind of like advanced, like mid career, like how yeah, much can you do? Yeah, I think mid career, one fifty to one eighty. Top dog, top dogs, two hundred plus. I feel like if you're at two hundred, you're like a senior top dog. And there you go. That's dope. Um, and what are some of the things, kind of like you mentioned, factor? Like, what are some of the things that kind of like go into that compensation conversation? Mm, I think you just really have to just demonstrate being competent that you can actually do the job. So if you don't have a lot of job experience, meaning like, all right, I've never had a job employed in tech. However, I built this really cool dashboard that does X, Y, Z. And I can see how this dashboard can influence your company. Then you have a little more, more leverage. Like, okay, this guy actually did his research. I don't have to know whether or not he can code. I'm seeing his project right here. And he's telling me in detail that he can do X, Y, Z. So that might kind of give you a leg up. But if you really want to see, this might be a controversial opinion, but if you really want to see that gain in compensation, you might have to got might have to move to maybe either New York, Silicon Valley, or Seattle area just to kind of like get do the six figure thing. I if you if you can. I know not everybody's able. I'm still a big fan of being in a city with the whole brain trust where you're just surrounded by extremely smart people and you can actually kind of network with them. So, yeah, that's why I saw my biggest increase because my, yeah, I went from 60, let's say 55K. 55K at AT&T, started off my first job, was 105 in Silicon Valley. So that's still low, but I was also, uh, at that time, I was rooming with a friend of mine who let me crash on his couch, so my rent was, like, super cheap. So I was able to kind of, like, pocket all that money until my wife came and we moved together and that's when we uh that's when that's when that, that, that's when that's when we have to get a one bedroom apartment that's when my my income just like okay 105 feels like nothing now because it's so expensive out there that's interesting so did you, you really touch on something important that you know i kind of like i've had those conversations in the past but 
tell me if you think it makes sense, right? I, I personally feel that, you know, if you're new into tech, you should kind of like be at least open to moving or going to where there's more opportunity. One, because people are going to be more likely to take a chance on you. Mm-hmm. And then two, you, the competition is not going to be as fast because there's just more supply, right? Because yeah. if you're in a zone where like, you know, people tend to be more choosy and like have way more requirements when you're like in a, you know, low, low, low supply of jobs market than, mm-hmm. than not. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, 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 I did it. Meaning like I could not get a job in Houston because I was a junior. Okay, where can I get a job where I know jobs are plentiful? And then they might take a chance on a on a on a junior guy. Let's 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 go let's go to the mothership. Let's go to where all the takers are at. Silicon Valley, man. Yeah. So, but I don't know if if the energy is still the same same post COVID. I mean, if I was still starting off, I would still go. But highly recommended if anybody can. If not, go to your local. Whether if you're in Texas, maybe shoot for Austin. If you're in Florida, Miami. If you're in the Northeast, obviously New York. Seattle and the Bay area, if you can. So um, in terms of, cause I, I imagine that a lot of people in tech do this. Um, how do you, cause of course you have to keep learning, right? So how do you decide what skills? So let's say you kind of like just got in, how do you decide what skills or technologies that can help you maybe just get to that next level, right? Because we talk about progression, right? So how do you how do you think about progression for as as somebody who was new in tech kind of like those many years ago? So it depends on if you're employed or if you're not employed. So let me go from the employment standpoint. If you're employed and you feel like this certain technology can help you do your job better, then by all means pursue that specific skill. Or if you're employed and you just want to like do something on the side, like, hey, what, are the, what is a, what is what, are, what is this AI thing going on? What is generative AI LLMs? Let me see if I can do this on the side. So if you want to make yourself more marketable in that way, you could do that. But if you're still looking for a job, I'd say, hey, what is being asked of you in the marketplace right now? So let's say if you're a developer or iOS developer, for example, you see that everybody still wants to get developers that are using UI kit. Okay, make sure to use UI kit. Don't just jump on SwiftUI because that's just the shiniest thing that you see because SwiftUI still is not being used in production, to my knowledge, in a lot of apps. It still looks like it's a lot of UI kit world. So yeah, I think it depends on what your goals are and your current employment status. Because if you're currently employed, I feel like you have a lot more leverage to kind of like, oh, what do I want to do? But if you're not employed and you still look for a job, what's currently on the market, like what's valuable, what can I, how can I make myself useful to a potential employer? That's, that's really dope. Um, in terms of um, advice, what advice would you give to someone who's aspiring to transition from into tech from a non-technical background? Figure out what track you want to do, whether it's cybersecurity, cloud computing, mobile development, front-end development, back-end development, because anybody can say, I want to break into tech, but it's like, what what part of tech? Like, So try out these different, th- these different things. So if you want to, if you're more of a person that's more into design and how things look, okay, maybe you want to be on the front-end type of things, or if you just kind of care about how things work behind the scenes and like the heavy business logic, then by all means, go into back-end development. Um, two... So one, know what domain you want to get into. Two, if you can, another controversial opinion, 
move to one of those cluster cities to where the tech jobs are plentiful, you probably have a better job versus getting a remote because as you can see, the remote wave is is kind of dying off and I can't see a lot of employers hiring remote employees, especially juniors. And three, just kind of just trust the process. It's gonna, it's gonna be hard, it's gonna suck for a long time, but eventually with persistence, you'll get it. And so, keep getting it. So are you team uh, bootcamp or self-thought? Which, which do you, is there a better way or? No, I wouldn't say a better way. I would say depends on your financial situation because I don't want to tell somebody to go to a boot camp and then the boot camp doesn't deliver on what they promise because I've seen a lot of boot camps that are like, hey, come here and then we guarantee you get a job and as soon as you graduate, which is like just not true. Because I've seen a lot, of, a lot of my people that went to my boot camp, it took us maybe six months plus uh, six to 12 months after the boot camp before we actually got our first role. So I would say utilize as many free resources as you can, YouTube, Discord, communities, which are specific interests, whether it's back-end development, front-end development, mobile development, cybersecurity, group me's, just, just network as much as you can possible if you can't go to these cluster cities. And yeah, I think that's what, that's what I would say about that. So um, I think you touched on something really interesting that I, I liked. So how does someone find the right communities for them to be in. Because oftentimes the people trying to break into tech don't even have that clear view. So are there resources you can actually use to find specific communities that can help you out? Yeah, um, think Twitter. So you can look at a hashtag like HTML or something and see if there's any groups, Facebook groups. You can actually Google like JavaScript meetups in my area or iOS development meetups in my area. And they kind of go from there and then like, okay, you, you meet with other developers, like, okay, hey, what groups are you a part of that I should be a part of, even though I'm brand new? And one thing I've noticed in the tech industry that people are pretty friendly and will tell you, we're not gonna gatekeep, we're gonna tell you what we did to get to where we are, because people did that for me. I'm like, hey man, I, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I barely know what a view controller is, so how do I do what you did? Like, all right, yeah, man, cool. Let's just keep coming to these meetups, you know, learn X, Y, Z things and, you know, the, to this to this day, like we still like we're still on LinkedIn. So like every time I have like some type of career update, he'll like it. Be like, yeah, man, I can't believe I like I remember when you were back in the Galleria and you're asking me X Y Z, and I was so cool to see you doing these big things. So yeah, I just I, I, is Meetup still a thing? I'm not sure if Meetup is still a like a website. But it yeah. is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So yeah, Meetup. So once you find your specific domain of interest, cybersecurity, mobile development, backend development, front end development, Google it. See what the meetups are in your area network with people, talk to people, and then find out what they're, who else they're connected to. Nice, nice. Um, we're, we're about to wrap up this segment. So typically we would do like about 40 minutes of just kind of like five quick fire round and then we'll leave about 20 minutes for a question. So, um, so given like, you know, the fact that you, you're working in a high, probably say high stress environment, right? Mm -hmm. Which tech can be sometimes. Mm -hmm. How do you maintain work-life balance? Well, uh, I, I really don't even like the term work-life balance because I mean, it's just life. It's just like, how do you balance anything? <laughs> but I would say that, um, hmm. so depending on what your situation is, let's say if you're married, obviously you got to set expectation with your spouse, like, all right, babe, I love you, but this project is kind of crazy right now. So this week I'll be a little strapped, but when I get some free time, I'm all yours. So that's one way to kind of like manage it. Get a hobby, whether it's 
golf, playing basketball, video games. You just need to kind of get away from the computer sometimes because I can't tell you how many times I've been like, I have no idea what this bug. I don't know. I don't know how to solve this problem. Let me get away. Close the laptop. Go take a walk. And as I'm walking or if I'm taking a shower, I'm like, oh, I think I have a solution. <laughs> so you're like, you kind of like kind of need to get away a little bit. So to kind of help you be more productive. But yeah, I would say just either kind of communicate with the community, whoever that is, friends, church, spouses, let them know what you're, what's going on. Take a break. Um, also have that expectation set with your manager as far as like how long you need to be online or kind of how, how things should be. I feel like you should probably peep the vibe of that type of work environment before you even get hired. Because I think there's, you can either look at right, you can look at Glassdoor, um, Reddit, and yeah, Glassdoor, Reddit, and some, um, some, even the recruiter will kind of tell you, well, you can ask the recruiter like, Hey, what's the work-life balance or the work environment at this type of company? Also nice. Twitter too, because Twitter employees are very, um, they're very, very vocal. So how would you, um, if you could pick one lesson that you learned in your tech journey, was there one thing that really stands out for you? Communicate early and communicate often because I've seen the most senior engineers not uh, deliver on a project on a, on, a, on a timeline or deliver in a timely manner, but they let all project stakeholders know. You, what you don't want is to have people caught off guard like, but I just told my client that this is supposed to be done in in two months. Now it's going to tell me it's taking me three months. That's how does that work? So communicate early and communicate often, please, 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 please. I'm begging you. Okay. Uh, I'm going to ask one more and then we can throw it open. So if you have any question, please ask them in the chat. I'll be looking forward to them. Mm -hmm. um, so what's the, Oh, I think, I think we already got one. So I'm going to just throw it in there. Um, so how, how does one potentially land internships in tech? How does one land internships in tech? So it seems like nowadays it's harder to land internships only because everybody seems like to be on a hiring freeze, but they're not really on hiring freeze. So figure out what company you want to work for, who's hiring. And instead of just blindly applying online to that job, talk to the person who either, who either works there or is actually get, getting, uh, or the hiring manager, because you're more likely to have a resume seen if somebody else gives you a referral versus just blindly applying on LinkedIn, no matter what chat GPT gives you for the resume. I feel like still at, you still need that human element. Like, Oh, I talked to this person. They're not a weirdo. Seem pretty cool. Let's give them a shot, especially if they're hiring for interns. So, but yeah, I also say like those communities that like kind of stay online if you especially can't be in those cluster cities, Reddit, Discord groups, Facebook groups. There's, there's, bro, I'm telling you, there's so many. Just type in your domain, tech group, and on Google and just, and just find something. I'm sure you can. If you can't, you can let me know on LinkedIn. I, I, I don't mind helping people find them as well. Okay. So, yeah, connect with, uh, connect with him on LinkedIn and, <laughs> and then ask, ask, yeah. ask to find, help him yeah. to find that. Yeah, because I, I know how it's like very intimidating, especially like if you've never done it before. I'm like, who am I? Like somebody like, what if I was like a, I don't know, a nurse and this is my first time. What do I know about technology? Or I'm a, 
uh, I'm a mechanical engineer. Like, what do I know about, you know, computers, something like that? Like, so they won't even know where to start. I don't mind, like, giving them a decent direction. Okay, nice. So um, I think on that same topic as well, what are some of the um, unconventional job strategies that you've seen people use in the industry? Because again, like you rightly said, like I think one of the creativity is super important, right? Yeah. When you're when you're brand new, because like oftentimes companies are not willing, which is sad to say, but companies are not willing to make that investment with their code yeah. base or opportunities. But it's like if you fight, right, and you show like that initiative, you get yeah. that opportunity. So what are some of the instances where you've seen like people kind of like go hearted like you're like wow why did yeah. i think of that yeah I, I, i'll use one example for myself it was when i was interviewing or actually i went i flew out for a job fair in san francisco this is before i had a job and i was waiting on the caltrain i think i was in i forgot where i was but i was waiting on the caltrain i took my phone out i was like hey look guys i'm in silicon valley my background is xyz uh i have no idea what i'm doing uh, I really love tech. I really feel like this is what God's calling me to do. So I feel like I need a job. So I'm out here. So if anybody has any referrals, by all means, please let me know. And the comments, da -da 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 like, oh, bro, I love, I love what you're doing. You're inspiring me. Hey, let's talk. I can get you an interview at so and so. I can get you an interview at so and so. But the fact wow. that I actually put myself out there, and I was like, a, put somebody put a face to your name. I was like, you know what? I want to see. I want to see this guy succeed because he was so vulnerable <laughs> for what he needed. I'm going to see what I can do. Like, I can only get you there. I, I can't promise you the job, but I can at least promise you an interview. So from there, I was able to get interviews from uh, Yahoo, Square, and Facebook. And like I said, like, bro, at that time when I was a rookie, who do I think I am? Oh, God, Facebook? Bro, I'm in the HQ with the, with the good snacks. Bro, they got Gatorade, like, bro, like not like, not, not Powerade, bro, like Gatorade, snacks. That top tier, what? No, Menlo Park, bro. I saw Mark Zuckerberg in the meeting, like his office is right there. So I was like, yeah, <laughs> I didn't know what, no, but like I said, just, just be creative the best way you can. Put yourself out there on LinkedIn, be vulnerable. People love seeing that story. Everybody wants to like, everybody, everybody wants to see people succeed. Like why, if I saw something like that, I'm like, you know what? How can I, how can I help? How can I help? What did that that uh, Facebook experience do to you? Like, was that when you said, "I don't care what it takes, I'm gonna like do yeah, this"? It's just, just kind of like very reassuring. Oh, full disclosure, I bombed three of those interviews. So, I still, but it's like it's the fact that I got that. I was like, wow. Like, even though I didn't get the job, but I'm like, that is, I'm just like, this is, I'm in the mix. Like, I am in Facebook's headquarters. I'm in Square's headquarters. I'm at Yahoo. It's still insane. So, just being able to see that I was like, nah, bro. I don't care how many times I have to go through this interview, I'm still going to get it. Because for the most part, if I'm not mistaken, most of these companies you can reapply for again in like six months anyway. So, you know, it's not a, it's not a no, it's just to try again later. Yeah. And for the most part, they still, they're still going to have your information on file. So they might follow up and like, hey, we see that we saw that you applied in XYZ. Do you want to be interviewed? So, you know, and at least yeah. this time you'll be better prepared because you bombed it so bad. That's like, okay, now I know how to do better next time. Or now I have longer to study. And, you know, it's interesting because it's something I've also seen in my personal journey, and I don't know what extent is true for you, is that, you know, even making those mistakes in your journey is a big part of the journey. Because I've not learned a le le lesson, for example, as hard like when I make that mistake myself. For example, like somebody asks you, oh, 
even something as simple as, oh, did you take a look at the website and see this thing? Now you're almost traumatized by messing that up that <laughs> every single interview you go to, you want to take a look. I'm like, hold yeah. on. <laughs> Bro, that's how, I, that's how I remember that communicate early, communicate often. Because I remember my, C, my C-suite executive saying, what? I was like, oh my, I was like, God, I cannot have this happen ever again, ever again. So that's why I'm always like, what? If anything, my team was coming like, oh, yeah, I'm always. They they always know what's going on with my projects. They know, like, whether I'm blocked, what I'm not blocked. If I do need some help, like, oh, yeah, it's very visible on the Slack where every project stakeholder is available. Like, I'm like, at here. Hey, I need this. This is this is working. So how can we get it done? And if, like, I'm like, hey, so don't don't say I didn't I didn't tell you because I did. I, add, I added channel at here at channel as in. At here, who's online? At channel, everybody's notified. So, communicate early, communicate often. That's my that's my traumatizing uh, experience as well. And, and something that I think kind of like is glossed over. I know we can't even touch on everything, but what are some of the things that are norms in the industry that is shocking for someone who's coming new Ooh. to the industry? Right, that you almost have to learn, like and. Even you succeeding, that's a very big part of it. Mm -hmm. So here's one of my things that I think I really appreciate about our industry. If somebody doesn't know something, they usually say, I don't know. And you're like, wait, you, you don't know, but you, you've been an engineer for almost like 20 years. Like, yeah, I still don't, I've never seen this problem before. I don't know. But here are the steps I'm going to take to figure out the problem. So one doesn't matter how long you've been in this industry, nobody knows everything. It's impossible. And it's okay to say, I don't know, versus you trying to like fill a burst of your way like, oh yeah, this is, uh, you just need to do X, Y, Z. And then somebody does X, Y, Z and they're like, wait a minute, you just told me that this was a solution to the problem. Now it's not working. Why didn't you just tell me if you didn't know? There's no shame in not knowing because nobody knows everything. Mm. I, I think one of my biggest lessons uh, in my latest role was understanding the fact that I didn't have to come with all the answers. I thought I had to, right? So it's like, you kind of like a face with this problem. Somebody says, go solve it. You know, I almost forgot like, like my entire team is a resource and like, yeah, just call that meeting, right? Come with a bunch of interesting questions and like, you can solve the problem, mm -hmm. right? Right there. Like, cause people have ideas too. People have thoughts. And mm -hmm. even sometimes there was something that happened to me one time that really blew my mind. So one of the functional people on my team, uh, I, we have a lot of data analysts and we were having this chat about how do I solve this problem? And in talking through the problem, I took it one step further and started talking about the solution. I'm like, oh, never mind. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, then the rubber, the rubber duck, the rubber duck. exactly. I'm trying to do this. I tried this. I tried that. I'm like, oh, 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 okay, okay, okay. Sorry, guys. Pause along. <laughs> So I think that was that was definitely something that was uh, super interesting to me to yeah, see, man. like you know, the possibility of that. Um, I, one, if if we flip the switch around, right around, kind of like newbies making it in tech, what are some of the things that you think tech companies can do to make that journey easier? Be open to applicants that have unconventional backgrounds so I'll, I'll use linkedin for an example the fact that they have the reach program to where hey we're looking for people who don't necessarily have a computer science degree from stanford we want to see hey if you just love technology you can build something 
will take a chance on you. So they actually have an entire program for mentorship along the way so people can groom, be groomed into really dope software engineers. And from what I've seen on LinkedIn, you know, from like the people that I follow, it's a, it's a pretty successful program. I've seen people that start off at Reach as an apprentice and now they're senior iOS or they're senior engineers at other places. I'm like, wow, see, it all, all it takes is somebody just kind of like just, just all it takes is a chance on somebody, you know, because I feel like you could look at it like this. <clears throat> For example, you could have like a somebody who has like a like a rich spoiled kid who doesn't really take anything for granted versus somebody who doesn't have a lot and that's willing to kind of grind to get it. You know, you're always going to want that that grind or that hustler, especially since this industry is all about hustling. Right. So like, wouldn't, wouldn't you want the person like, Oh no, they got it. They got it out the mud for real. It's yeah, no for real. But there's no plan B. Like I need to feed my family. So if I need to stay up till 4 a.m. And this is, like I said, this might be toxic, but like, I'm just giving an example. If I need to stay up till 4 a.m. to solve this problem, guess what I'm going to do it versus this guy's like, ah, yes, uh, I get it. I'll get it tomorrow. I, yeah. It's fine. I'm, I'm good. I'm, I, I'm, I, I got four of the offers somewhere else anyway. No, I want, I want that hustle. I want the grind. that's going to get the job done. That's that's interesting. So, um, hold us closer. I'm not advocating that anybody works until 4 a.m. <laughs> that's just an exaggerated example. Okay, so um, how did and I wanted to sorry, I wanted to actually give a follow up to that because uh, I used a little bootcamp, and one of the things that I saw, like one of the programs that we partnered with, that really blew my mind was this program called um, ETSA. It's by J.P. Morgan Chase, mm-hmm. um, and they had this program like even the design of it so they kind of like do it like a hackathon and you come it's not even for them it's not really about a solution they just want to see how you problem solve how you think and one of our students actually made it in a program and she was one of the top performers and it's interesting to see because i think you know those yes questions those um challenges are really important a way of testing people who've gone through that process Right. But there's a, there's a lot of company that's made, missing out on great talent because they're getting by those same mechanisms when like, you know, there's a lot of great talent that can solve problems in a variety of ways. But it's like yeah. you kind of like keep putting them through like the same test, whereas like there's so many more. And I, I do understand like complex dilemma, like, you know, investing in a talent is a significant investment. But I think it could just be a bit more creative about how you go about it, because I think they're successful, even the entire model. It's kind of like they, I think they went one step ahead to even kind of like separate because before they used to mix and match it with like talent that they sourced from like colleges, right? But they completely broke it apart and yeah. said, we want to specifically cater to this specific needs that this is what we're going to come in with. And they have like a two-year ramp after like you, if you make it successfully and you kind of like join this two-year fellowship and then you become uh full-time i think you actually become full-time it's just that, like you convert from like the fellowship to actually being a full-time employee um in two years which is which is really great um so that's a model that i really like but i, I definitely think more companies should do that um absolutely yeah like the like the contract to hire thing we can't say that we're at a we, are, we have no talent but like okay try to like what's wrong with the contract all right let's do a three-month contract you might you might find some great picks like oh this person is actually they're actually pretty competent. They do a good job. Just hire them all. Yeah. You know? And especially with like a contract, I feel like it's still beneficial because I let's say for for my, for me, for example, even if I hadn't got the job, I was just glad to just I was just grateful just even just to get a job or just to be in the valley at that point. So I was like, all right, cool. I'm working downtown San Francisco. If I don't get a job, at least like, okay, I can use this this three month foundation 
to get me somewhere else. But by God's grace, I was able to get hired on full time. So contract to hire, I've always been a fan of that that role or that that model. So what are the different um, and and again, if you have any questions, please drop them in the chat. Um, what are, what are the different interview stages that a typical um, software developer will go through? Yeah, so it's been a while since I interviewed, like almost three years, but I think it hasn't changed over the years from what I've seen. Uh, you have your initial recruiting call with a recruiter where they're pretty much making sure that you're not a weirdo. That's what, that's what it is. Like, hey, what do you know about the company? Why are you interested? Blah, blah, blah. Second, if I'm not mistaken, it should be maybe uh, another call, maybe like a, like a, maybe some like leak code type question or it's like an introduction uh, interview with with uh, another engineer on the team. Like that's going to be like a 45 minute one. And then the third one is usually uh, a more technical one that's going to be like all day, which is maybe three hours we're interviewing maybe three to five people it could be over it could be like building on another leco problem building a personal project and then after that it could be something along the lines of system designs uh maybe a product question and then maybe uh interview with the hiring manager and then maybe wrapping up after that so pretty much three stages so you got your interviewer interviewing call with the recruiter make sure you're not a weirdo second just the small test with another engineer and then you're on site and then after your on site interview you hopefully you get the you get the job but i think for the most part that's like the, the flow so if you had to kind of like go back <clears throat> today walking at papa Do's and you're trying to make that transition <laughs> that transition yeah how would you construct that like what what would be kind of like the step by step so i would do this and do this and do that okay how, what would that look like for you so for one, I need to actually get in front of the recruiter. So, all right, how do I get into this company? So network, build my community, get the in. After you get the get with the recruiter, the recruiter should tell you specifically what you should expect from the next interview. So let's say, okay, oh, it's just a 45-minute legal problem. Awesome. Can I schedule this out maybe two or three weeks out? Yes, you can. Spend those three weeks studying as much as you can for pretty much do leak code out as, uh, as much as you can. And then after, you know, you get your, that's your second step. After you get that step, then you're on your onsite to where they'll give you more specific information about what to expect, whether it's, okay, this is gonna give you another leak code problem, another onsite project or a system designs one. And from there you can, you know, pick up cracking the coding interview. I think there's like cracking the design system interview. And then I think after that might be like a culture fit-ish type, uh, type interview so yeah i think that would be like the the rant but you know if you don't have a good community even if you don't get that call with a recruiter you still build that community you can actually talk to people like okay hey what should i expect and hey would you even mind giving me a a mock interview because i'm in the camp of you cannot do this by yourself i certainly didn't I, i've had all the help in the world you know so many different people but I, if you didn't have that community then it's borderline impossible yeah and what are some in terms of like the education piece before you even get to um before you even get to the recruiter side or interviewing side what are some resources that you think are very crucial that can help you know maybe someone trying to become an ios engineer or just an engineer in general yeah i think uh i think cracking the coding interview is still pretty relevant and that's i feel like that's like been the industry standard 
um, YouTube. There's so many different, um, even Google has like a, a YouTube channel where they're breaking down a problem and what to expect from, uh, from like technical interviews. So if you want to use Google as your bar, you know, okay, you know, I, I think, I think Google's a pretty big company. We can, we can agree that some smart people work at Google, right? So like kind of go from there. All right. I'm starting to see how the flow of that works. Probably see how other big tech companies work because from what I've seen, the big tech, the big tech companies, you know, for better or for worse, influences what the remainder of the other tech companies do because they want to, you know, keep the standard high for technology or for technical interviews or whatever. So yeah, if Google, Microsoft, Apple and them and Amazon are doing it, you could probably safely assume that everybody else is going to be doing it as well. So aside from FreeCodeCamp, what are the like really solid places you know that kind of like teach really uh, good stuff? Okay, so FreeCodeCamp, YouTube, Actually, now I say ChatGPT. You could. I, I, I need. To, I think I need to spend a day just to kind of like interview with ChatGPT, kind of see how well it does. Because I feel like it also has a lot of good resources. So yeah, use ChatGPT and ask it to break down specific problems line by line and explain why this works. Because you know it should be able to do that. I haven't tried it, but I'd be curious enough if it could. Like, hey, why or hey, what is the time space complexity about this problem? How can you optimize it? Why is it? Why is this better? Why is this problem not better? And then kind of just kind of reiterate, 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 and just keep keep practicing as much as you can. So, code, cracking the coding interview, YouTube, your community if you can't find it, and ChatGPT. So those four resources, those would be some pretty good starts. Okay, well, that's. I think we're almost at time, and I want to really be respectful of your time and everyone else's. But oh, that's been really a good chat. <clears throat> Thanks you so much for coming on. I really appreciate you. Absolutely, man. Thank you for the opportunity. All right. Um...